morning, good morning. If you ever feel that gut feeling, you know, the sickening feeling, it's a great feeling. It's guilt <laughs> when you've done something or you said something and yeah, you knew better. There's some guilt there and that kind of settles right about here and you've probably felt it before. But there's a difference between guilt and shame. And I've been listening to a podcast, again, it's my theme, podcast by Brene Brown, and she has been researching the topic of shame for a number of years. And I really appreciate that she tries to put words behind it, and she tries to say the difference between feeling bad about something, because guilt is, guilt is okay to feel, because it makes us draw our attention to something we've done wrong so we can fix it. Now, it doesn't feel okay to feel it, but it's good for us. But shame, here's the difference between the two, as Brene likes to say it. Guilt is when I did something bad, but shame is feeling like I am bad. You see the difference there? Am I a good person that did something bad, or does my action just claim me as a bad person? She goes on to describe it this way. Shame is the intensely painful feeling of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love, belonging, connection. She's like, we all experience it, but if we don't talk about it, that's when it has control over our lives. That's our topic today. We're talking about it. We're talking about it because we can see glimpses of guilt and shame and the difference in Scripture. And today we're going to be in Matthew 26 and John 21, as we look at the way Jesus interacted with Peter. We've been in our Good Grief series, and this is our last piece. Jesus has died and resurrected, and he's been walking his friends through the aftermath. The aftermath. And the more we looked at it, the more I realized that they were all dealing with grief. When Jesus interacted with Cleopas and his friend on the as they were taking a walk, they were in all this confusion of why he had to die and if the resurrection was real. And Jesus walked them through that. Thomas, Thomas had just experienced trauma and he could not fathom new life because death was all around him. And Jesus walked him through that doubt. And then last week we talked about the disciples. They went out for a fishing trip, which kind of seemed therapeutic. And Jesus helped them through their anxiety that change was coming. And that's a piece of grief that we don't always talk about. And now this week, we've got Peter. Peter, he's got some grief, and it is hovering on his shoulders in guilt and shame because of something he did. So before we see the healing process, let's backtrack and see what happened. We're going to, if you remember, on Thursday night, before Jesus died on Friday, Jesus was having a meal, a Passover meal with his followers, and after that meal, they went out to the garden to pray. And somewhere in there, there was a conversation. Let's look in Matthew 26, verse 31. Jesus told them, This very night, you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. 
And all the other disciples said the same. There's Peter. If you've ever heard anything about Peter, he's the first one to say stuff, the first one to act. I mean, the dude jumped out of a boat to try to walk on the water with Jesus. And moments from now, there's going to be guards who come to try to arrest Jesus. And Peter thinks he's going to protect Jesus by grabbing a sword and cutting off a guy's ear. This is Peter. He thinks first. His, I think he would describe himself as like fiercely loyal, a risk taker, right? Like he wears his heart on his sleeve. You know everything he's feeling because he's living it out. And he sees his identity as Jesus's number two. His right-hand man, he will protect and defend to the end. So I want us to get in that headspace because that is why what happens next is so very, very devastating. So Peter, you know, he tries to cut off a guy's ear. They arrest Jesus anyway. And then they take Jesus somewhere, and Peter tries to follow this mob. Like, what is going to happen next? He wants to see where Jesus is headed. But they take him inside, and Peter's left standing in a courtyard. Let's read. Verse 69 of Matthew 26. Peter was standing out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. That first thing that Peter said was kind of like, I don't understand your words. Like he was trying to like feign ignorance of their meaning or their accent or their language. But that second denial there, it says that his original language was kind of the very formal way that you would legally declare something that I don't believe. Like, I've taken an oath in court, and I don't know this man. Like, that is how official he was using these words here. And then there's some moments. Those things happen, and then there's some moments in time before someone confronts him again. So I feel like Peter has this time to think to himself, what in the world was I just doing? Like, how did that just come out of my mouth? You've experienced that, right? Like, as soon as you say something and you're like, whoop, can I pull that back into my mouth? Like, where did that come from? That is what I feel like Peter must be feeling right here. He just said he would die for Jesus, and then now his words were full of self-preservation. Like, if I say that I'm with him, they might arrest me too. And that's what came out. Verse 73. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses and swore to them, I don't know the man. This is like he's cussing and he's saying like, almost like he's saying, I swear to God that I don't know this guy who claims to be the son of God. Like that is some heavy, heavy language. Immediately, verse 74, a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. Wept bitterly. There's no other words that can describe that anguish. Everything Peter had just came crashing out in sobs. Because who was he now? 
his whole identity of being brave and loyal and caring so much about his friends, that all shattered with just some words, just some moments. And he didn't know if he could get it back again. Was Peter a good person who had done a bad thing? Guilt? Or was he a horrible human being who was no longer worthy of love and connection? Shame. Let's, let's keep reading more and see if we can figure this out. After all that happened, Friday, Jesus went to the cross and he died. And Peter's last words were claiming that he didn't even know him. Can you imagine the joy on Sunday morning when Peter found out that Jesus was alive again? That's why he went running to that tomb. This was not just an excitement over a friend alive again, but all of that guilt saying, maybe I have a chance to fix it now. To fix it. Because if Jesus had just stayed dead and the last thing that Peter said was, can you imagine? Can you imagine? So here, Peter is starting to be excited again, but I also think that he's still a little fearful. Like, I can't wait to see Jesus again, but I, I got to tell him some stuff. I, I got to apologize, and that's not easy. And so when Jesus first appeared on Sunday evening after he rose, it says all the disciples were gathered together in a house. So that was a group setting. Can you see Peter standing off to the side like, mm, he's alive, but I don't really want to talk to him yet. So we don't know that they had a one-on-one. Last week then we talked about it had been a week. And the guys were out fishing and Jesus came. And they all had breakfast together. It's still a group setting, right? Maybe it's still a little awkward for Peter. Now this isn't in scripture, but this is how I picture it. Because it says then they start to talk. Can you just imagine everybody gathering up their stuff, cleaning up? Maybe Jesus looks over at Peter and says, come with me, let's walk. And they walk along the shore, and maybe it's silent for a little bit. Maybe Peter's like, okay, 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 how do I say it? How do I start? I I don't even know the conversation to have. And then he's like, it's just been silent for a while. But Jesus speaks first. John 21, verse 15. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Peter knows. Jesus is the God of all creation who knows him inside and out. And so He knows that Jesus can sense all of the things that he hasn't been able to say. So as soon as Jesus asked that question, he's like, yes. And within that yes is like, yes, I was an idiot. Yes, I was scared. Yes, 
I, why are you asking me three times? Again, this, this is my interpretation, but I just see those three times, those three questions. And I just go back to those three worst moments that Peter had in the dark of night, standing in a courtyard. And I just feel like all the things that Jesus, that Peter had denied, those three horrible lies, they were lies, that Jesus was bringing that separation closer. Do you love me? Peter got the chance to speak the truth now. He could claim him as his own again. Yes, I love you. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Peter got to say yes three times. Each question was a chance to amend. Now the reason why I think that Peter had more than guilt on his shoulders that day was because Jesus didn't just say a question to him. He gave him a challenge. He gave him an action step. And I think this was because Jesus was looking at Peter and saying, here's what I see in you. Your identity still, even after those moments, this is who you are. I need you to serve. I've got a purpose for you. I need you to live like me, and I'm entrusting some people to your care. And I believe you can do it. Jesus was inviting Peter in with those feed my sheep words to say, this is how I see you. I need you to see yourself this way too. Because everything I just did on that cross, that was for this moment too. Now we've been reading through all of this, all of the scripture, through Peter's perspective. And we all probably relate. Fallible human being, yep, that's me. I really relate to Peter. But let's think about Jesus' perspective. Because Jesus was fully human along with being fully God. And you might also relate to the perspective of someone breaking your heart. Jesus knew his disciples were going to abandon him. And so his worst moment on this earth, he was alone. But even though he knew it was coming, like to have Peter, his like, like the best of the best, his ride or die, and to have him say, I don't know him, that still had to hurt, right? I still feel like Jesus wasn't protected from that hurt because he was still bearing himself as a human being. And it hurts when someone walks away from us. So I just imagine that Jesus in that moment had to kind of, he might have had to just get himself ready for the moment to talk to Peter. Maybe he planned it out a week later because he needed a little breather. He needed Peter to, to calm to some point. And then they had a one-on-one. -on -one. And with those questions, I always think of Peter, like Peter needed this. Do you think Jesus needed it? Do you love me? Do you think Jesus needed Peter to say the words out loud? Do you think Jesus wanted to erase all those moments just as badly as Peter did? Do you love me? 
I think this scripture, digging into it, just, it just brought up a bunch of stuff to me. And maybe it's bringing stuff up to you right now. I just want to sit in this moment and, and think about some things for our lives. Because this story is hopeful. This story shows restoration, rebuilding, and it's possible. And I want us to think about a few things. If you in the perspective of Peter, and you've said or done something that there's some damage in a relationship, here's what I want you to know. I want you to know that, yes, guilt is going to convict you, and, and it's going to make you go and want to fix things. And that's okay. That's good. Trust in Jesus. And as you go, I want you to know you can be forgiven, number one. God will forgive you. Jesus went to the cross for that. Accept his forgiveness and allow the shame on your shoulders to be lifted. Now, hopefully the person you hurt would also forgive you. But I just have to say that there might be an opportunity to rebuild. Breathe in that. Take patience in that. Give the person grace. Apologize because they need to hear it and you need to say it. But also, if it's not safe for them right now to rebuild, try to trust that, that you can step onward and give them space and build other trustworthy relationships. That's just the truth of it. But number two is, you are worthy of love and connection. Those words that Brene Brown kept saying is that shame pulls us away from feeling like we can love or connect. But this is a reminder, look, you can love and connect again. The challenge is just like evaluate what went down and don't do that sin anymore. Get some help. People are willing to walk alongside you, your friends. There are professionals out there willing to help you come up with better pathways forward. Get some help. You're not alone. You can love and connect again. And third, you still have purpose. Now, purpose means a lot of things, and, and sometimes things that we do or say, it might change the way we serve. Maybe, maybe something disqualifies us from a certain thing at a certain time, but God opens new doors all the time. He has ways for us to serve, even if it looks different from that moment before. Peter's life changed, and it changed for the better, but it was different. He was a different person from Friday night to this week later with Jesus. Now, I do have some words. If you have been the one who's hurt, I don't want to leave you without talking about this today. You are worthy of love and connection. Same thing. Someone else's sin against you does not mean your worth has changed. That's on them. Number two is you will also benefit from forgiving. I'm not talking about any external action right now. I'm saying internally, the work of forgiveness inside, it'll help you too. It might take time, but that's okay. It's worth it. But the last one, you can avoid shame but keep accountability. Shame dehumanizes. You don't have to put shame on a person that hurt you. 
when they apologize, you are still allowed to set boundaries, hold them accountable. That's healthy. But if, if it's not safe for you to reconnect, give yourself the release to forgive and move on. I want us to know that there's freedom in rebuilding and there's freedom in knowing that you might be ready for a new thing and some, that person can go and build a trusted relationship elsewhere. I want us all to be safe in a safe, caring environment. But to both those who've hurt and those who've been hurt, I want to say, let's all let go of shame and take hold of forgiveness. Peter did that. And we know because he wrote some words down that we get to read in 1 Peter chapter 5, a part of the Bible where, where Peter himself says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you. Make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Peter wrote those words some years later, most likely. But he experienced that. He experienced the God of all grace looking him in the eye and helping make him firm and steadfast and strong again. He wrote these words with full understanding. We can experience that too. We can trust in Jesus to lift our burden and to walk with us through restoration. Can we pray together? God, thank you for being a God who connects us, who reminds us that we're worthy of your love, we're worthy of loving others, Forgive us where we've, where we've stuck our foot in our mouths, where we have been in horrible actions, but it doesn't change our worth in you. Remind us how much you love us. Remind us how much you've got people ready to connect to us in our lives. Thank you for restoration. Amen.